Chapter 36, The Unforgiven Familiar I told you about the common market. I know I did. Some things I won't shut up about, repeating them over and over and over again, bitching and moaning the end of days, the forgotten life before my naming day, the one who stood in my door. All of it. I won't shut up about it. Or Dale Morgan taking my heart. How many times have you heard me mention that one? You must be sick of it told the story once already, you haven't forgotten, wishing I would stop, and on top of that, I'm sure I've forgotten things, things I should have told you, things that would have been helpful for you to know, useful things. I can't keep track, I don't know what I've told you, just try to keep up. I told you about the common market. The fair folk made it. Well, not exactly created it, not in the sense that they waved a magic wand and suddenly the land appeared. They put the market together. They arranged for all people to be able to reach the market, or to be more precise, for the people they want to be able to reach the market. Remember, they established those rules of fair trade. If you won't abide by those rules, you can't come to market. That kind of control. That kind of making. They created a place that people wanted. Try to picture it. A city of shops, buildings, and walls. Three walls support a roof, inventory inside, a place to sit. The fourth wall is open. All good spilling out into the courtyard where you can watch, where you can admire. As you pass down the street, as you watch, as you shop, everything within easy reach. I don't even think the fair folk have any shops of their own. That's not what they want. They want you to set up shop. Sell what nobody else can. Buy the unquestionably unique. All you need do is agree to the fair folk's rules. Not my point, but can you picture the place? Try to imagine a farmer's market, county fair, tourist trap, all kind of smudged together. Noise alone's enough to kill you, drive you far from your mind. Sensory overload, you can't take it all in. You can only hope to survive. Walk your one path through the market, hoping to find what you're looking for. My only hope was that Jack knew what he was doing. We had taken the train, entering the underground, climbed aboard a subway car, just like everyone else, looking like just everyone else, rode our train until everyone else got off, nothing for them to see, the normal people. I'd been one of them once. Train doesn't stop, not that they know, having gotten off, passes from the last station, emerging from darkness into the heart of the bazaar, dropping you off at the station. Climbing from the train, looking around for the first time, remembering the only time you'd ever been there. Being led around by Beowulf Drake, what'd you know? What'd you care? You are among people again! Now it is Jack who leads you. Me. Walking one street, passing among giant shops, many people, window shopping, grazing, looking, selling, buying, dickering over price. Not that it matters. What does price matter? We were looking for a rare bookshop. That is what Jock told me. I would follow him anywhere that led me closer to Lucifer's widow. It was only a book that James Joyce never wrote. How hard could it be to find? So Jack was dragging me to a shop of very rare books. Very rare. We were looking for a book that didn't exist because Del Morgan wanted it. A book that James Joyce never wrote. Therefore, it didn't exist. 
but that didn't stop us. At the first shop, the proprietor looked at us as if we were big-ass monkeys. Never heard of such a thing. A book that James Joyce had never written. Out of his store, his shop, his life, his home. Out, out, out. We were pestilence on the world, asking, wanting things that didn't exist. Standing in the street, the proprietor still raging at us from his door. Jack and I looked at each other, looked and laughed. We couldn't help it with the world raging all around us, people on all sides, moving, walking, window shopping. We stood there and laughed. What else could we do? Our destination was absurdity itself. We had slightly better luck at our second stop. In all things, the common market has more than one kind of thing. You need rare books, choose from among 30 different bookstores, styles, types of print, from electronic books to charcoal on dry leaves. You could find it at market. Locating a book that didn't exist was posing a bit of a problem. Lucifer's widow, this book is not known to me, said a funny little man with a wood hat on his head. He stored his librarian's assistants there, birds that flew among the shelves, seeking the books that intrigued customers. They sat watching us from the wood hat. It is as rare as blood, a book that James Joyce never wrote. Jack. Yes, rare indeed. Birds took wing, rising like a cloud, racing from shelf to shelf, looking, flying, searching, returning to whisper words in the bookseller's ear. Not here. No, not here. You might search best at the Library of Forgotten Dreams. I've heard of it. Good. There you might find what you seek, or else the path to your ethereal book. The birds returned with an ancient work, little more than a bundle of loose pages, slipping them gently between the bookman's waiting fingers. It is here, he said, turning pages as if they might slip away forever into the depths and mists of time. You might search for a year for whispers of this book James Joyce forgot. I cannot guess what the library will ask of you for your trouble. We left the bookman, surrounded by his birds as they tended to the works in the shop. We should keep looking here, Jack. I don't like the sound of this library. If we run out of bookstores, there are always liars and scribes to ask. We might fare better with a diviner or augury. I said nothing, following after my guide, wondering why I was even here. I'd done nothing. I was along for the ride. Jack was doing everything. He had led me to the market. I don't think I could have found the place by myself. I know I couldn't find my way among the cycles of the market. That was Jack's ride, and he was loving every minute of it. I wondered how long I would have continued to follow him. Until we found Lucifer's widow, I like to think. I would never find out. Have you ever stood in a great place? People around you, standing, walking, talking. Noise drowned the world, an inconstant blur of voices and faces. No words to be understood, no faces to be recognized. And suddenly, you remember something face that had struck you out of the crowd as it went by. Only now do you remember that you even saw it at all. One thing out of all things had found its path from the blur into your mind, lodging in the back of your eye to be discovered like a forgotten eyelash. I had seen Beowulf Drake, passing like a shadow, not even passing like any other man in the crowd, about his own business, noticing me less than I noticed him. I don't know how I recognized him. Fair folk look how they want to look. Not what they once looked, not how you might remember them. They choose their own face, their own voice. You could know nothing, and yet you could learn to recognize them. Not by face, not by manner, not by anything. But you could know them. And I knew Beowulf Drake, and he was at market. So I turned. 
looking, standing still, searching the world as it flowed around me, walking, not knowing, simply following a direction, knowing that it would take me somewhere. There would be Beowulf Drake. I would find him. I would find the one who had taken me to market, who had sold me to Del Morgan. He was here at market, and I would know. I would face him and look in his eye, and I would know him, and he would know me. What the fuck? Stumbling among people, I wouldn't give up the chase, till last I found him. In a court, tables, benches, chairs, and I saw he wasn't alone. He was guiding two children to the table. Not children, although they look to be children. How can you tell in this place? They looked young, more than ten, for they'd begun to grow, less than twenty, for they were yet thin and awkward on their feet. And I remembered words that had been whispered in my ear, that there were others like me, people who had returned from the lands beyond, people who had found their way into the strange places beyond the world, and they had touched the divine. They had danced with the bazaar. They had turned wind into fire and had left skin and bone behind. They were like me. They were slaves. For all who returned from such lands beyond were slaves. That is what Beowulf Drake did. He made slaves of free men, and the anger burned in me such that I thought I would die of it, a flame bursting into the sky. But I would hold. I would face the drake before me, find his eye, and spit. There was nothing else. At the table he was gone, disappeared into the throng as he'd left me, licking my fingers and lost to the world. They looked at me, the children, one boy and one girl no more than twelve. And I held out a hand, saying nothing, and they took hold of me, the boy standing at my left and the girl on my right, and we turned and left the table, saying nothing, looking only forward, never looking back. And Beowulf's voice, rising like a roar of tide, crashing somewhere behind us, the three of us only walking forward, never looking back. This audio recording of The Fearful of Gideon and the Tale of the Donkey is copyright 2011 by Keith T. Jones. All rights reserved. <laughs>